What if this dream that I can see could change how things are to how they could be? Two letters, that's all. If takes a chance and risks a fall. Others say why. If answers why not. Dare to take action. If starts with a thought. One little if in one little me. To fight the current, to swim upstream. If doesn't ask when. If says now. From here to there. If is the how. If starts sooner, stays longer, keeps the faith. Gets back up, goes back to work, sets the pace. So now I'll start, I'll begin. Without the start, there'd be no win. If counts the cost, a price to pay. Sees the potential, then seizes the day. If today, then tomorrow. Show something for the breath you borrow. Take a leap, just a step, growing old without regret. Tell me now, what's your what if? What will it take to scale the cliff? You have the vision, make it come true. Sometimes that what if is you. In the end, it goes to show there's no telling what one if can grow. Finish what you start, and then the time has come to dream again. Who knows what a day will bring? What if this changes everything? <laughs> if you have your Bible, let's hold it up. Make this confession with me today. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Now, if you have your Bible on your smartphone, would you please turn your alerts off? and your notifications, because what I see happens a lot of times, that's why I like a Bible I can hold in my hand and look at. Now, Anita's techie, she likes to, so if I change translations, she can change. But what happens on Sundays, I watch uh, somebody, see, they couldn't get a parking place, so they're leaving right now. <laughs> but what I notice a lot of times is that uh, you get your Bible on, you get ready to watch, and then an alert will come or a notification, and you'll look at that notification. Then you look at another notification, and we're halfway through the teaching, and you're still catching up on notifications when you miss the Word of God. So to do that, turn off your notifications, all right? Because after all, I found out this week that most people look at their phone between 800 and 1,000 times a day. No wonder you don't get things done. And then I found up out another one, that your phone is as, as, as dirtier and more contaminated with germs than the last truck stop you stopped at and went into the bathroom. And some of you are holding it in your hand and hold it in your mouth and everything else. Just saying. If it's your first time to be with us, come back next week. I get better. But every once in a while, I just have to talk about some things, okay? If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. I'm going to be there in, in just a second. Talking about what if. What if. Say what if with me. 
On August 15, 1987, Howard Schultz was faced with one of the toughest decisions of his life, whether or not to buy a small chain of coffee houses called Starbucks. Now, we look back at that and we say, that'd be a no-brainer, Chuck. You should buy that. But to him then, $3.8 million on his $75,000 a year salary, that was a big challenge. He wrote in his memoirs called Pour Your Heart Into It. He reflects on that what-if moment. Here's what he said. This is my moment, I thought. If I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on this, my moment will pass. He said, I knew that if I didn't take advantage of the opportunity, I would replay it in my mind for my whole life wondering, what if? What if? What if he hadn't bought Starbucks? I mean... They're now in only 17,000 stores in 40 different countries with 137,000 employees, revenues topping last year at $4.7 billion, and last year they served 3,861,778,846 cups of expensive Java. But what if? What if he hadn't made that purchase? But I think that brings it all down to a lot of us. What if? What if you're not obedient to God and do what he wants? That's a powerful phrase, isn't it? What if? Because I think a lot of people are stuck in what I call if only. They live their life in regrets. It'd be terrible to come to the end of your life and uh, as you're checking out, getting ready, your whole life is... Well, you know, if only, if only I'd gone to church and took my kids to church. If only I'd have sold out to the Lord. If only I'd have trusted Him. If only, if only. Regrets are tough. We all have regrets. There are those decisions you made and you wish you hadn't made them. Anybody been there? Raise your hand. Or maybe there's those opportunities that you should have taken and you didn't take. It's like somebody in the last service said, yeah, all those years when uh, the villages were moving in and I was next door to some of the property, I sure wish that I would have bought more property, uh, you know, and I would have liked to have been able to do that. Those regrets, those regrets, those hurts that come into our life. If only, if only I hadn't have been treated that way. If only this opportunity had come, and if only. So if we're not careful, we spend a lot of our life in what I call the sorry circle, reliving all of the regrets and the if onlys, and we begin rehearsing over and over and over. If only that hadn't have happened. If only this hadn't have happened. I would be farther down the line. But I believe today that God wants us to get past our if onlys, and he wants us to get to a place of what if. Because you see, what if looks towards the future, and if only looks toward the past. What if the impossible was really possible? What if your life could change today? What if today could be the day that changes all of those regrets and gives you a hope for a better life? Here's what my hope for this series is. What if? What if the Father's house really believed the New Testament. And we acted like the New Testament. What if?
What if? What could be? I believe the early church understood through when you read the book of Acts that that was the essence of the early church. They were always living of what if? What if I'm obedient to God and God can do this? What if I pray for this person and they get healed? What if we go into this city and God brings his kingdom? I believe that if the early church could say something to us today, and you might want to write this down. It's not in your notes. I believe here's the synopsis of what I'd like to look at for the next six or seven weeks. You have, I believe they would say to us, you have no idea what God can set into motion for one simple act of obedience. You have no idea what God could set in motion by one simple act of obedience. What might that act of obedience be in your business? What is it? What one simple act that God drops into your heart that could set a lot of things in action in your business, in this church, in, in a ministry, in our life? What is, what is one decision, one, one choice you could make today that would set into, op, set into operation God processing a lot of things into your life? So I guess I'd like to start off today simply asking, what is your what if? What is your what if? Where or what is it that God is asking you to take a bold step of obedience? For some of you, today is going to be life-changing because God is going to speak to you about stepping out of your comfort zone. You've got into a comfort zone. You've got everything planned. You've got it all set out. And basically, your life is beige. I hate the color beige. It's not even a color. It can't make up its mind. I don't like beige walls. I don't like these walls. They're ugly. But they said that's the color we need. So well, who do I know? I just know it's ugly. I like bold colors. If I'm going to make a statement, I like a bold color. I don't have a beige motorcycle. I have a brilliant colored motorcycle, all right? I used to have a purple one, and then I had an orange one. I'm weird. I didn't want black. I didn't want beige. And some of us have got so comfort in our Christian life that we live a beige life. There's nothing new happening, nothing exciting. You got it all planned out. You got your week all planned out. But what if God would want you to take one step of bold obedience today and this life, this week, would be the greatest week that you've ever had in your life. And you come back next Sunday and say, wow, I can't believe it. What a ride it is to be with God. So I want us to look at some lessons about obedience from Acts chapter 4 and uh, Acts chapter 5. Because I don't want to just, I just don't want to encourage you, hey, let's get obedient. Let's do some radical things. You know, let's be radical for Jesus. Let's step out and be bold. And as soon as you do that, then you hit difficulties. Anytime you're going to do anything worthwhile, you're going to hit opposition, you're going to hit trouble. We started off this morning, wasn't that a great worship song set? I mean, did that, did that, was that awesome or what? No, the devil knew that. So when we started off this morning, he killed two screens, boom, boom. But he didn't get the middle one. He thought he did, but they brought it back to life. And in the last service, all of the vocals and all of my preaching sound like it was underwater, underwater, underwater. So they, lost, so they said to me, if we're going to put a service online, you better do good on this one. You better be sure you say the right things. So, so I'm just thinking, any time, 
Anytime you're going to do anything worthwhile, you're going to have opposition. And if we're going to be a church that starts believing the New Testament, then we've got to get ready. So I want to talk to you about how to handle uh, taking bold steps of faith. Let me put it in context. The disciples are spirit-filled. They're walking in the blessings and the glory of God. And in uh, chapter 3, chapter 4, Peter and John are going up the temple to preach. And as they go, there's a, there's a lame man that's there begging. He's been lame for 40 years. He's there, and he's saying, hey, I need some, I need some money. Hey, dude, can I, can I get some money? And Peter looks at him and says, look, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to you. In the name. And he reached out his hand, and he pulled his hand, and the guy stood up. And he began to hopscotch. He began to dance. Forty years he's never walked. He didn't have to learn on a walker. Forty years people would walk by and said, he's too far gone. It's an impossible situation. I wonder who we've given up on. Who has cancer? And we said, well, I guess they're going to go to hospice, and that's the end of it. That's the end of it. Why have we given up when nothing is impossible with God? Who have we left in a wheelchair? Who have we left in the intensive care? And we say, well, I guess they're too far but what if we start believing this word when Jesus said, look, don't just pray for the sick, heal the sick. In my name, tell them to get up and rise. What would happen if we began to believe and boldly do what it said? Well, they got in trouble, right? They arrested them, said, don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. I'm just, I'm running through those first few, few uh, verses, and I'll be back to chapter 5 uh, Chapter 5, verse 12 in a minute. And so then they say, you can't do that anymore. And they say, well, we can't listen to, we can't listen to you. We've got to obey God. Now think about this. They could arrest them. They could beat them. They could do everything they want. And so I can see them going back to the early church, going back in their meeting and saying, you know what? It's really getting hard. We're under real persecution. I mean, they may beat us. They may put us in prison. They may kill us. So we need to pray. God... Please protect us. Make it easy for us. Make it easy. Make it easy. It's amazing how many people start to volunteer, and after about the third or the, or the fourth week, they say, this is hard. Well, what'd you expect? You're changing lives. Do you expect it to be easy? Where do we get off on this thing? Well, it's, it's just too hard, too hard. This world is not my home. This is my testing ground. I'm being proved here for the life that I'm really going to live. And it's too hard. So they went back, and they, here's what they said. Lord, you hear their threats against us, but grant us boldness that we may do signs and wonders and preach the word in your name. God, pour more on us. And then look at chapter 5. Let's look at verse 12. I'm going to pick up there. The apostles were performing many miracle, miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had a high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord in crowds of men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across them as he went by. What if? Do we believe this? What if? Oh, no, we, we, we wouldn't believe that. We believe we, we can go pray for people, anoint them with oil. But so much of the power of God, 
that just in the presence, some of the early church fathers, the early 1800s, walk into a factory without saying a word, so much of the power of God would fall. Strong, rebellious men fall on the knees. What if? What if those days are not past? Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were possessed with evil spirits. The high priest and the officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They were filled with jealousy because these nobodies, these guys uh, unlearned but full of the Spirit, come and they're turning the world upside down. So they arrested the apostles, all of them, put them in a public jail. Verse 19, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, they entered in the temple and they were teaching. And then, uh, I'll just buzz through this. Then the high priest, the Sadducees, and all of those that are leading uh, said to the officials, all right, go get them out of jail and bring them. So they come back and they said, you're not going to believe this. The doors were locked. The soldiers were there. But the, the, the apostles, they were gone. And then somebody else comes and says, do you know where they are? They're in the temple teaching and preaching what we told them not to teach and preach. And so they arrest them. They bring them back in. And they say, we're telling you now. You can't do this anymore. But look at verse 29. And Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human authority. Or we must obey God rather than, you know it in your translation, what? rather than man. We've got to obey God. We're going to go that. We're not going to go with what everybody's thinking and what everybody votes about that every church should be. But we're going to start believing what if, what if we could live out this New Testament in such a way that would change lives. So let me give you just a real quick, some, a few principles here. Number one, if you're going to make a bold step of obedience, don't be surprised by opposition. Don't be surprised by opposition. They arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. Now, this is the second time. I mean, look, it's not a good day in my book when you're put in jail. I mean, don't you kind of believe if you're being obedient to God that everything should go smooth? Right? Don't you, don't you believe that? Isn't that, what, isn't that what we were told? Once you give your heart to Jesus, everything is smooth. Everything is wonderful. No more problems. Once you start tithing, your refrigerator will outlast everybody else. Your car won't break down. Nothing will happen, right? I mean, we just think about it. We think that's the way it should be, right? In our American minds, if I am faithful in coming to church and tithing and volunteering and praying and posting on social media when I'm supposed to post, taking notes, I think God should... Make sure that everybody in my family never gets sick. That my kids get all A's and my basketball team wins all season long. Right? But how many of you know that once you take a bold step of obedience, you can expect opposition? 
you can expect trouble. It will come your way. The truth is, we have an enemy, and he's called the devil, and he doesn't want you to take a bold step of obedience. So just because you're in opposition today, just because somebody hurt you, just because the devil rose up and changed your plans, don't sit back and say, well, if only I'd have done something different, you know, if, if, if you know, and, 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 and this, and if only that. No, look, look, you're okay. You're okay. Look at your neighbor and say, you're okay. You're, you're okay. You're going to make it. Opposition may come. Look, there's nothing, there's nothing that we did at this church that was ever easy. When we started, we started this church with opposition. When we came to town 23 years ago, it'll be the last Sunday of March, we came to town and I shared with you last week the pastor that I met that said, what are you doing in town? We don't need any more churches here. And then we had tough time fight. We rented the Shoney's Hotel. We rented here, there. And what we found is that here in, in Leesburg, they felt like you weren't really stable unless you had your own property because there are other ministries that came to town in the past years, and they said, we're here, we're here, we're here. People got on board, did that, and then the minister left, or they moved to Orlando, or they moved somewhere else. So we found that nobody really trusted you unless you had property. But every piece of property went to, in, to look at a building to rent. They said, no, we don't rent to churches. So what are we going to do? We're just going to pack it up, the Lord, if you know. You know, back then, we were the only church in town that was singing off the wall. Uh, that is contemporary worship with the projector that projected the words up on the wall. How many of you remember that? You younger people can go on Google and look at that, <laughs> singing off the wall. So we say, okay, Lord, we, we came here. Nobody else. I mean, we didn't even have a fast food restaurant here when we came 23 years ago, okay? Thank God for Wolfie's. He was, <laughs> Wolfie's was here. And so, God, this is not right. We've come to bring a dimension of worship and spirit-filled life. A new set of, of worship, and I mean, now everybody does it, you know. It doesn't matter what church you go to. They, have, they don't sing off the wall. We got fancy now. We sing off the screen and, uh, and do contemporary worship. But back then, nobody. Well, Lord, if, if we're pioneering a, a thing, why is it so, so difficult? So what do we do? Pack it up and go home? Do I quit? Say I missed it? So we did a thing called 10 at 10. 10 a.m. and 10 p.m., we prayed for 10 minutes and asked God for a building. Would you believe you would believe. The very next mor morning as Anita was driving to work, an office complex came for lease or rent over on the boulevard. And so we found out who owned it, and I asked around town, and they said, oh, you don't want to deal with him. Oh, he'll cut your throat. He's, he's horrible. I mean, he'll, he, he's got, so we went and met him, and he said, you know, if you, whatever you do to the building, if you're going to lease it, you've got to put it back the way it was. Well, it was, all in, it was all in a mess. We had to tear it apart to be able to use it. And we sat there, we chatted for a while, and, and uh, he said, uh, you want a beer? I said, no, not right now, maybe later. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Just catching some of you, you're worried about that. And uh, to this day, he, he said, okay, I'll let you guys. He said, in fact, you know what, I'll help you out. I'll help carry the note for a while. People say, you've got to be kidding me. No way. But you see, that's the second point today. If we're going to be not be surprised by miracles, we've got to, by surprised by opposition, we've got to expect miracles. 
And sometimes you can't get a miracle because you've done nothing to step out in obedience. So he says, hey, I'll, 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 and so to this day, I meet with him every once in a while, and I invite him to church. He said, you're still trying to get me saved. He met a friend of mine up in Atlanta. They were golfing together, and he said, yeah. The guy said, oh, I have a friend, pastor's down there. He said, couldn't be Terry Mahan, could it? He said, yeah. He said, he's trying to get me saved all these years. <laughs> well, I haven't done very well, 23 years, but I'm still working on it, okay? But a miracle happened when we faced the opposition. So what about you? Where is it? Where is it that God wants to do a miracle in your life? Look at this. So bold obedience releases bold miracles. So um, Luke describes it like this. Look at verse 19. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Period. Not even an exclamation mark. You've got to be kidding me. If I had been in jail, locked in there, uncertain of my life, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, an angel comes. you think I'd say, but an angel came and unlocked and let us out. And I would say, dude, Mark. By the way, this is Mark and Susie from Pastors in Boise, Idaho. Would you welcome today to the church service? I would say, Mark, you're not going to believe this. Man, I was sleeping and worried about my life, worried about, you know, all of the regrets I had. Did we do it wrong? Then all of a sudden, this 12-foot angel walks into the room, 12 feet tall. I mean, he's got, he's got weapons here. He's got weapons there. He's got weapons everywhere. His voice was so booming and so loud, and he wakes us up, all of us, and he takes us over to the door, and he just, whew, breeze, and we walk through the door. The guards are outside. They're looking at us, not moving. We're walking out of there. We go home for a while, and we come back. You won't believe what happened. No, Luke just says, the angel came, opened the door, let us out, told us to go back to the temple. But when we have miracles, it's like, you won't believe what God just did. Could it be because there are so few areas in our life we're making bold decisions of what if? What if you are one bold decision today away from God producing a miracle in your life? Wow. Number three. Let's look at number three. See, I should have a yellow pad because all my notes just went away. You silly thing here. Come back. Come back, you devil. There we are. Technology demon day. Number three, we need to demonstrate faith. If we walk in bold obedience, it's going to require that we demonstrate bold faith. Verse 20, then he told them, the angel, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. Think about that. Go to the place that's got you and do what's already got you thrown in jail twice. Now, I don't know about you, but I might have liked some details about then. Um, could you, give, could you just help me out here? Now, I know you've delivered me twice, but what about, could you just give me a guarantee 
that if I take this step of faith, uh, that I'm going to be all right. 23 years ago when we moved to the city, we had no financial backing. We knew about four people. We had no money. There were no books. There were no sending organizations at that time to start a church. It was a bold step of faith. Had a pastor friend of mine who told me, he said, Terry, I would love for you to just stay at my church. And he has a very large church. I'd like for you to just stay at my church for the rest of your life. I won't give you any other responsibilities except you just lead our prayer and you pray for me. I will financially give you more money than you could if you ever started your own church. And I promise you, for the rest of your life, I will financially bless you and I will, I will help you if you just stay here with me. What if I'd done that? I would have missed some of the greatest miracles of my life. I would have missed meeting you. I'd have been a bummer right there. I mean, those of you who are upset about the parking, you, you're not sure. But anyway. <laughs> but so many times we say, Lord, could you just, could you just let me know that it's going to be all right? If I, if I downsize to get out of debt, would you let me know? If, if I start tithing and giving, would you just sort of give me some sort of promise? Then, then, look, how many of you know that when you tithe, it takes faith? It's like somebody said to me, you know, said, we know we should tithe, and uh, we've been arguing about tithing, but when we look at it on the paper, you know, it just doesn't make sense to tithe. And they said, finally, we decided we'd take the step of faith and we'd start to tithe. So we started tithing, and you wouldn't believe what's happened. An act of obedience. We, but we all would like to just, if you could just, but he says, my word is a lamp to your feet. Not a spotlight that shows a mile down the road. So here's what he was saying. I'm going to give you just enough light to take one step. One step of faith. And when you get there, I'll give you some more. And people, you see some of you today saying, I'm waiting. I know God's got a what if for me. And I'm just waiting. If he'll just, if he'll just lay it out for me and just show me the whole thing. How I should serve. What I should do. Then I would be willing to take the step and work. But he says, no. It starts with one step of obedience. And if you'll do that, then I'll shine you a little bit more light. No guarantees. Take a step of faith. He said, go to the temple. And give them the message of life. What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you looking at that and thinking about that? It takes faith to do those things. So at daybreak, verse 21, the apostles entered the temple as they were told. As they were told. The Lord says, this is what I'd like for you to do. What did they do? Yes, sir, Lord. Oh, there's the phone. 15 more minutes. Yes. See, I was wrapping up. I was ready to give the finger so you could come and play. Now we got 15 more minutes. Here we go. <laughs> you guys, I love you too much. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. So God speaks to you today about taking a step, but you've got the regrets. 
got all those things. You say, you think, well, I, I know he's asking me to do that. But I, it's disobedience. Well, I, yeah, I know God wants me to tithe, so I'll just, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just, I'll just give him a tip. That's partial obedience. And it's disobedience. Here's the last fill in. Here it is. Obedience is my responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. All he asks is that I be obedient. When I came to this town, when the Lord spoke, I was teaching at a seminary in Georgia. And when the Lord laid on our heart to come here and start this church, he said to me, I want to do a fresh work in that city. And this, this is why I, I, I was sharing this week with Howie. And he said to me, and just as clear as anything, but you're not the first person I asked to do this. But you are available. Now that's really comforting, isn't it? You're not the best. You're not my first choice. But you're available. Okay. Okay. I'm willing to take that step. If you could do something amazing that would change people's lives and make a difference in a community. What does God ask of you today? What act of obedience? Let me pray for us today. Would you bow your heads? Father, help us to seize the what if that you have for our life. We know it won't be easy. And it'll take faith. But we ask you, Lord, to help us to make that move today. Because you said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works. Because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you dare to ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Help us, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I want to talk to some of you today that are living in the sorry cycle of regrets. It's not an accident that you came today. God wanted you to know that he's got a great plan. He's got some great what-ifs for you. Some of you are here today, and there are a lot of decisions you made. You say, man, if I hadn't made those decisions, my life would be so much different. And you're living in the land of regrets. But today, you're at a crossroads. The crossroads, will I continue to live with regrets? Or will I take a step of what if? What if today could be the day that my life really begins to be significant and fulfilled? What if? What if today is the day that everything begins to make sense? At the crossroads between regrets and what if stands the cross of Jesus Christ. And you'll never get beyond regrets by not coming to the cross of Jesus. Jesus loves you so much today that he came to this world and he died on the cross so that you could have access to a what if life a life of fulfillment.
significance and not regrets. Man, my heart's hurting today because I'm feeling some of the regrets that some of you are carrying today. Some of you are living in a life of sin. You'd love to get out of that life of sin. I want to lead you today in a prayer. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you, if that's you, to raise your hand and make eye contact with me, and I want to pray with you. Today, the Lord is speaking to several of you, that, and you say, you know what? I really want my life to change. I've been driving the bus, but I'm willing to let him have the wheel. Or you say, you know what? I've gotten sidetracked, and today... I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. I've hit opposition. I've hit trouble. But today, I want to be all in. So I'd like for you to raise your hand wherever you are. Make eye contact with me because I want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand right now wherever you are? Over here. Thank you. Over here. Back here. Here. Over here. Thank you. Hands held high. Thank you. Over here. Others today. Thank you. Put your hand down. Others today with these six that have raised their hand and say, yeah, today. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Man, such honesty in the house today. Such an anticipation of what if. What if this is that day? Maybe you're watching online today and you say, you know, that's me. Just raise your hand while you are. I'm going to lead you in prayer in a minute church, would you pray this prayer with me with the seven or eight who raised their hand this morning that said, I want to make that decision. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father God, thank you today for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and to be my Savior. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that you are the Christ, the Lord. You died for my sins, and you rose again to give me a second chance, a do-over. Thank you today. As best as I know how, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. I want to walk with you in Jesus' name. Church, let's celebrate with those who prayed that prayer today. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's celebrate today. Whoa. Wow. This is all the angels in heaven rejoice. I wonder how God does that. Hey, everybody. Down at the Father's house. Eight people in the second service, seven people in the first service had a life change. You see, they know what it's like. They know it's worth pushing through the opposition, the trouble, the difficulty to be in his presence. It says, if just one today, he would rejoice. Hey, friends, thanks for watching today. And I believe that today's teaching was life-changing for you. We prayed that way, and we believe that it would. And so I just want to say in advance, thank God for how he changes our life through the power of his word. I would um, encourage you today that if you've never made Jesus the Savior of your life, the Lord of your life, 
I would love to pray with you today and for you to make that decision. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. That's what's so very important. So I'll pray a prayer and uh, you put your heart to it and you pray this prayer after me. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins on the cross. I could never get good enough to come to you in your holiness. But I know that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again on the third day to give me a new start, a new beginning. So today I repent of my sins and I invite you into my life. And as best as I know how, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Fill me with your spirit and help me to walk day by day in your strength and your power. Man, I hope you prayed that prayer today. If you prayed that prayer, why don't you call the church office or let us know that you prayed that prayer. I have a book that I'd like to give you that'll help you know the next steps to take. Uh, giving a heart to the Lord is not just something that we do to get the guilt or the bad feeling away, but it's a life change. It's new things that we start doing and the book that I want to give you will help you in that. Also, if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to join with you in praying about those. And uh, if the Father's house and these teachings have uh, blessed you and you've benefited from them, would you consider supporting the Father's house? Uh, first of all, through prayer and encouragement, and second of all, through financial support. That's how we continue to keep our missionaries going. That's how we're able to keep these sermon series going out to you. And so if you'll just ask God what he would have for you to do, I would really appreciate it. So just remember, here at the Father's house, we don't care where you've been. We just care where you're going. And I think you're going in the right direction. So I want to see you next week as you watch here from the Father's house as we bring you the word that will change your life.